Hello and welcome to another episode of the Endeavor Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Breitkopf. And this is another in our, um, I'm just loving this, This our series on hacking your own SAT program. This is our seventh episode of the summer. And now we're really getting into the nitty gritty. This episode is on the math section, how to teach the math section, uh, how to prepare materials, what to work on, uh, what, what the college board has put on the math section. And I'm very excited. Uh, this is a great conversation I had with Neil. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to share this with you. Uh, so Neil, take it away. All right, welcome back. Thanks everyone for joining. Welcome back to How to Hack Your Own SAT Program. Um, we're gonna continue to dive further into curriculum, um, probably uh, the most important part of, these, of this video series. So, well, that's not to de-emphasize all our other wonderful videos, <laughs> but these are important. So, um, so let's get right to it. So, so Jason, today we're gonna talk about math, okay? Um, specifically, what I'm hoping that viewers can uh, are able to obtain by the end of this video is just a more, just a stronger sense of what needs to absolutely be covered in the math when they're building their curriculum related to math. So maybe the first place to start is for the test makers. What are they assuming students know, or what what kind of knowledge should they already be equipped with coming into the exam related to math? I know that's a big question. No, but I it think is. But it, I agree with you. It's completely important. Understanding what the test writers and test makers, the college board, think is important is very important for knowing what on what you want to focus yeah. mathematically. So the college board describes the math on the SAT in three major categories with somewhat silly names. Um, they talk about the heart of algebra, whatever <laughs> that means, problem solving and data analysis, and I kid you not, the passport to advanced math. <laughs> if anyone from the college board is watching, just don't mind us. <laughs> I mean, they gotta know. They gotta know it's silly. But so you you notice here that one of the three major topical areas they talk about is the heart of algebra. So they really believe algebra is incredibly important. Between the heart of algebra, questions in the problem solving area, and the advanced math area, algebra accounts for well over fifty percent of the topics covered in, in the math sections. Yeah. And another large 30-40% is statistics, problem solving, word problems, data analysis, charts, tables, graphs. Yep. That's what they feel is really important. Interestingly, uh, they have seriously de-emphasized geometry mm -hmm. in the last two years. Uh, up until 2016, geometry was about 25 to 30% of the questions, and now it's about 5%. You know, it's interesting, and not to interrupt you here, but you know, the you know, so we ran these comparison tests, right? So for some schools and every time we looked at like the meta analysis for the entire class taking it, the thing that they always struggled with was geometry for mm -hmm. some reason, right? And so it's interesting to hear that they're now de-emphasizing it. Is that also in response to the fact that, do they think schools are de-emphasizing it? And maybe the scores are now kind of showing this reflection of no one cares about geometry anymore, right? Like, or, or I mean, what? The problem is I, I don't feel comfortable psychoanalyzing the college board. Okay. And if you look at the major competitor to the college board, the ACT, yeah. they have not. Yeah. One third of the questions, pretty straightforward, one third of the questions on the ACT still involves some level of geometry. Wow. So I just don't know why they feel that way. I mean, generally they, they seem to be pretty tuned in. I mean, they added the essay to the SAT back in 2005 
in direct response to what they were seeing in education, uh, a, a re-evaluation of the role of writing in the public schools, mm -hmm. colleges re-emphasis on writing. So they were right on top of that. So they might be seeing something that we're not yeah. uh, because they're directly tied into and communicating with major school systems, university systems, the Ivy Leagues, et cetera. Yeah. I just don't know. So, so let's say someone's like a junior, right? they're a junior, they're practicing, or they're getting ready for the test. Um, you know, I, I guess if they're in Algebra 2 at that point, mm -hmm. they should be mostly in good shape for the test? Or? I agree completely. Okay. Basically, the, the topics covered on the SAT, and this surprises a lot of people, but a large minority of the questions on the math part of the SAT involve middle school math topics. Mm -hmm. So, Middle school math topics? Yes. Middle school level uh, statistics, understanding mean, median, yeah, and mode, right. how to do proportions, how to understand ratios, basic pre-algebra skills. It's so funny that, you know, like you, you, we do this test prep all the time, right? And you hear, you know, uh, those terms, right? And to us, it's like, oh yeah, that's what we always teach juniors. But you forget, yeah, you do learn that in middle school. Absolutely. Yeah. And so there are a lot of skills that are covered from middle school math up through Algebra 1 into yeah. Algebra 2. And then there's maybe one or two things that are often touched on in pre-calculus mm -hmm. now on the SAT since 2016. Okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. So um, now if you're thinking about just... Um, so we talked, we covered the basic subjects, but what are the areas, you know, and I talked a little bit about geometry, but from your perspective, what are the areas that students generally struggle with the most when it comes to the math lessons? You know, it has to do, and I think I've mentioned this in previous videos, it has to do with uh, the prioritization for public schools in different states. Okay. But I've taught SAT and test prep in various different places. California, New York, New Jersey, uh, Massachusetts, and it's pretty universal. And these are school systems of varying different strengths. Yeah. But one area that almost every student struggles with is exponents. Okay. There's, most students just do not feel comfortable with not only the advanced topics and exponents, yeah. but also some of the basics. Yeah. Uh, another area is setting up and solving systems of equations. That's, I've talked yeah. about that a lot. I bring it up a lot because it is an area where students really struggle. And the third one is how to break down. And this goes into more problem solving and yeah. what we teach in terms of strategies than math skills. Yeah. But it is something that you know students start working with in math from third and fourth grade on, which is word problems. Yeah. Word problems can be overwhelming to students. And the SAT writes word problems that are particularly obtuse, long, boring, confusing. Yeah. You know, and, and as you're mentioning all these different topics and subjects, I mean, does it make sense for a school to to just look at kind of how the students are performing in math overall and try to kind of like look at the weak areas and, and try to line it up to test prep or just, you know, I, I guess, you know, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is when you're building your curriculum plan or they're building their syllabus, is it better to just go with kind of like, okay, here's the consistent approach we're going to take in the syllabus versus here's how our students have performed in math and we should cover these areas first. Do you know what I mean? Like, is it... Right. I think that when you're setting up an SAT curriculum for your school, definitely looking at where your students um, are missing out in, in, in certain very particular topics can be helpful once you've taught the strategies first. Go. Okay, got it. Got yeah, it, got the it. first couple that you want to teach, because again, SAT is so specific. Mm -hmm. Really, when you're, when you're taking the SAT, it really, like some people joke that 
when you take the SAT, what you're demonstrating is your ability to take the SAT. Yeah. That's a common joke that we hear. Yeah. You know, late night talk show hosts can make that joke. It's, yeah. it's so common. Yeah. Um, so, but it is true that, you know, because the test is really a problem-solving test first and a content-based test second. And I know I've said that many times, yeah. but it bears repeating because so many people are shocked when they hear that and, and have a hard time getting to that place where they believe that. Yeah. Uh, but it is true. So focusing on strategies first, and then as the students start mastering the strategies, and you're starting to see that it's math topics, because we're talking about math, but grammar topics or certain vocabulary topics, well, if you're talking about the English section, that are jumping out as being areas where even though they now that they're improving on the strategies, they're still making mistakes, then you want to brush up on that content. Yeah. And those types of areas... Like I talk about exponents, systems of equations, et cetera, they tend to be areas that jump out a lot. So having extra practice in the second half of your program is a good way to address that. Has there been any changes? I mean, since, you know, think about for most of the people that are probably building their own programs, mm -hmm. right? They took the SATs in the 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, those types of things, right? Mm -hmm. Has the math program, I know that the tests are always being updated, mm -hmm. but, you know, you mentioned like exponents and systems of equations. Is that consistent with how, has it always been like those are the areas or more recently has the curriculum changed to the point where like they're now focusing in on those areas that are now problem areas? So I'm gonna date myself. Okay. Uh, I took the SATs in the late 80s. Okay. And when I took the SATs, there were no systems of equations questions on the SAT. Okay. It just it didn't reach that far. Yeah. Uh, the level of math, there were exponent problems, but they were the basic rules, not the advanced rules. Yeah. And if you're listening at home and you're an administrator and you're not a math teacher, the basic rules are the basic exponent rules when you're multiplying or dividing exponents, and the advanced ones are fractional and negative exponents. Yeah. And if you're a math teacher, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But the advanced math rule, uh, exponent rules were not on the test. Nowadays, you have uh, up through the unit circle and uh, more advanced trigonometric uh, equations. Yeah. That's since 2016. Yeah. So when, you know, if you have a, a student let's say you're not only an administrator or a teacher or a guidance counselor, but you're also a parent. If you have a student who's going through the SAT now and they have an older sibling who's in college, they're taking a different test. Yep. So every 10 to 12 years, the SAT updates the test and the biggest thing that usually changes about the math is they will take out some topics, recently geometry, and they'll add more advanced algebra. Okay, okay, all right, interesting. Um, so I'm not going to sit here and ask you to kind of list out an example of math syllabus that's included in one of, in the article, the, um, the math curriculum article uh, mm -hmm. that went out. So you know, there's an example syllabus that's in there, and it's got all the details or some details in terms of what you could offer for a math lesson or math lessons in an SAT program. But more specifically, can you? Let's just give an example strategy. Sure. Right? So you know, I think we always talk about you know, as we talked about before, the drill and kill practice questions versus the strategies approach. What's an example strategy that you think really helps students with sure. the math section? So uh, once again, I've got my favorite prop, the official SAT study guide. And again, for those listening at home on the audio podcast, I am holding it up. And I'm using the College Board's official materials. This is, it's their materials, it's their question, they wrote it. So I'm, uh, in the most recent edition, I'm on page 203. It's chapter 16, The Heart of Algebra. It is example seven. So if you have a copy of this available, you can even... Pause the video for a second, pause the podcast, and go grab it and bring it back. So the question is set up in a way as to trick you into doing the wrong way of solving. Let me read the question to you. Each morning, John jogs at 6 miles per hour and rides a bike at 12 miles per hour. 
His goal is to jog and ride his bike a total of at least nine miles in no more than one hour. If John jogs J miles and rides his bike B miles, which of the following systems of inequalities represents John's goal? Now, if your head has not already exploded because you haven't seen an SAT question because you're an administrator or a teacher or a parent and you haven't seen one of these questions in 20 years, <laughs> I know a lot of people are like in tears now and I apologize for making you cry. I apologize. But what it's, it's Friday. No, <laughs> just not there. But no. Come on, please continue. What they're telling you to do is set up a system of equations. No one wants to do that. <laughs> like no one wants, like, except maybe a math teacher, nobody wants to do that. And that is the trap. To try and like bang your head against this question and come up with a system of equations, some equation with J and B and some number and an inequality. So the strategy that we would recommend to defeat this plan to make you do it the wrong way is called uh, pick a number or plug in a number. So what I would recommend is to literally pick a value for J. John jogs J miles. No, John jogs um, three miles. J equals three. And I'm going to write that down because it's a paper-based test. And rides his bike for B. So I'm going to say 15 miles. Which of the following is now going to be, instead of setting up an equation, it's going to be setting up math. Simple number crunching. So I can solve this mathematically, come up with a numerical answer, and then here's the trick to the way this strategy works. You take the values that you came up with, J and B, and then you plug them into each of the four answer choices, number crunch for a few moments, and see if the result of that answer choice matches the result you came up with when you solve the problem numerically. Hmm. One of them will work, the other three will not. This problem has a bunch of fractions and inequalities, so you're not gonna stumble across an answer that matches when it shouldn't if you've done the math correctly. And again, you wanna pick numbers that are small, easy to use, something you could do by hand if it's not the calculator section, yeah. and that will defeat this puzzle using basic number crunching skills, especially if you've got the calculator, uh, rather than having to rack your brain to try and write an equation, which no one wants to do. Right. So that's an example of how a strategy beats the way they set up the puzzle. Pick a number, I like it. I yes. Like it a lot. Okay. All right, great. Um, anything else related to math that you would maybe give in terms of a suggestion for folks teaching? Now, I just described that strategy, and maybe some of you stopped and got a copy of the College Board book and tried to follow along and do it. And, and I do recommend trying it. It's a great strategy, and it's one that's well, definitely we'll part of those programs. We'll put it up on programs. the screen, too, right, so then people can yeah. watch it. But the thing is, is that practice is essential. So this strategy is not something I would expect students to master after me describing how to do it once. Mm -hmm. They've got to practice it. Yeah. You've got to review it. You've got to, when you assign the homework assignments from this book, I would recommend picking out the questions that use this strategy and being prepared for when students come in and say, I, I didn't get it. Yeah. And practice makes permanent. The more you practice something, the more permanently it gets lodged in your brain as a good thing. Remember, there are bad habits, but there are also good habits. So developing good habits in here is about practice. Have you trademarked that yet? I have, well, I can't. It, there was a uh, rugby coach in, I think, Arizona or New Mexico okay. who came up with that. Practice makes uh, permanent. Yeah, and he, he's apparently a, a very uh, successful coach. I think his rugby team has only ever lost three matches in the last 20 years. I saw a movie about it. It was really good. I think it's on Netflix. You never know what kind of information you're going to get on these videos. Um, movie reviews can come later. Exactly. Exactly. 
All right, good. Well, thank you. Some great information related to math. Uh, we'll talk about verbal soon. Sounds good. Well, that was a really great conversation that Neil and I had. Uh, we came up with some funny things, and we, we talked it out. Um, I blew Neil's mind with that math question. It was a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed it, too. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to like, star, heart, favorite, or whatever your personal favorite podcast app allows you to do to show that you liked it. You can always hit that share sheet and share this episode with your friends, tweet it out, share it on Facebook. Um, we still get notifications that people listen to it when you do it that way, so we're happy anyway uh, for you to share it. And of course, uh, please feel free to subscribe so you can get new episodes right away. We usually post them on Tuesdays and Fridays, although I will admit this episode is going out on a Thursday. It's been a busy week. I've been teaching some SAT classes. So, uh, subscribing is the best way to get the episodes right as they drop. And always, you can leave us a comment. You can leave a comment on iTunes, uh, but I don't check it very often, so I don't know if there'll be one. But we have a Twitter feed. It's at EndeavorPod. And if you leave me a comment there, a notification will pop up on my phone and I will get back to you as soon as possible. Uh, I'd love to talk to some folks and answer some questions. Uh, so thank you so much for listening. And as always, let's keep learning. <laughs>